is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 583, recorded Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Wednesday, Chris. Yeah, it's Wednesday. It absolutely is Wednesday. Uh, And if you recall, I told everyone on Monday that we'd be recording Wednesday instead of Thursday. Mm -hmm. And the people came through, Jason. The people do come through. Our listeners are the best listeners that a podcast could have. It's very true. Uh, you know, one last day to send in the feedback and we got just as much as usual and maybe more. So we have plenty to go through here and I'm very, very happy about that. The reason we have to do it a day early is just because this is a long weekend coming up and I am going out of town for a couple of days, leaving early Friday morning. And I just didn't think we'd be able to get organized uh, to do the podcast Thursday night right before we have to leave. Plus... I'm actually going somewhere separate from my wife, (laughs) which is not a big deal. She happens to be going to somewhere to visit a friend, like a girl's thing, and uh, I'm taking the kids somewhere else. So she'll be gone already tomorrow night, which kind of makes recording a little tricky as well. So I couldn't do it tomorrow. Here we are on a Wednesday doing it tonight. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Logistical adjustments. That's what it is. It's exactly what it is. Sometimes those are necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going to talk about all the feedback that you fine listeners sent in for season 11, episode 16, Acts of God. But first, the number of millions of viewers for this one was 1.61 million, which is less than last week. So I don't think people care about mid-season finales anymore, Jason. I can't imagine why they would. If they ever did, you know, exactly. But uh, it's down, I think it's 600,000, 700,000, something like that. Uh, Usually these kind of episodes cause a little bump because people are like, ooh, it's the last one for a while. Maybe I should watch it, but not in this case. Yeah, the landscape's changing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people just do not consume media the way they used to. No, they don't. They don't, but... What can you do? Anyways, 1.61 million for Acts of God. Super. And we got lots of feedback, so let's dive right in. Surely. Listener feedback. All right. A quick reminder to everyone that I do often edit your calls, mostly calls, occasionally emails, but I do edit calls a little bit. And I'm saying that just because there's some new people and if anyone has forgotten or whatever, sometimes I do it for timing, but I also try to avoid too much duplication in the, in the points that, you know, listeners are making. Um, many people write, call in about similar things and I want to try to keep the variety meter up if I can. So if you hear your call or your email and it there's a part missing, please don't be offended. Just know that sometimes I cut and edit a little bit uh, for for those reasons. You don't splice it up and rearrange it so they say something completely different, do you? No, no. I try to keep the integrity of the point that the person is making as smart, you know, as uh, solid as possible. But sometimes I just take out a whole section where they talk about something else or, you know, Jason, to be honest, a lot of people start their calls with telling us how great we are. And I don't want to include that every time, some of the time, but not every time. Well, I appreciate that uh, that the listeners do that. 
Yeah, I do too, actually. I mean, thank you so much for all the nice things everyone says about us. Uh, rarely do we get messages where they say mean things about us, but it has happened. Really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, it has. I mean, to each their own, right? They're entitled to their opinion, but uh, it would be a different kind of podcast if we just sat here blowing our own horn the whole time. That's not really what we're about. Yeah, or holding our own ladder. Is that the way uh, you think of it? I do. I like that phrase. I don't want to hold my own ladder, but, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> who else's horn are you going to blow? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you, know, with the, you know, with the world the way it is right now, don't, don't blow somebody else's horn. Oh. Uh, especially without consent. Like if you're, if you're intimate with somebody and you have their consent, you can, you can blow their horn if you want. All you want, really. Yeah. Maybe all they want. All, all they want, you know, however, whoever wants to stop first, that's when you stop. That's right. (laughs) Stop the horn blowing. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of horn blowing, let's start with Michael in Ozark, Missouri. Michael writes, I was very underwhelmed by the mid-season finale. The whole Maggie-Leah story was so predictable and not really that exciting. We all knew it would be Daryl showing up at just the right time to save Maggie and kill his love. What else happened? They wrote an article in a paper slash flyer saying Pamela Milton is lying. Big whoop. I don't see that being too exciting either. And where's Carol? How can she not be in this episode? Just my opinion, we had some really good episodes this mid-season, and I expected a way better episode for a finale. Hmm, where was Carol? That's weird. Yeah, Carol wasn't in this one, was she? I don't think she made an appearance. Uh, And the one before, she was in briefly uh, interacting with Ezekiel, right, after dropping the kids off at school. Was that last week? I don't know. Who knows? It was recently. Um, Obviously, I think Carol's going to play a huge part in the plot line of the show as we, you know, move towards the end, but she doesn't need to be in every episode. She can she can have a week off, I think. I wouldn't see I don't see a problem with that. No, I don't think it's so. It's just weird that it's a it's a mid-season finale and she wasn't in it. Like sure, take a week off and everything, but damn it, we got a finale going here. Okay. Well, maybe, but uh she wasn't integral to what was going on with Daryl and the gang outside the Commonwealth, and I guess she's not so far really part of the newsletter writing resistance from the inside. Although mm, it's, no. it's an interesting thing. You'd think she would be part of that, especially if Ezekiel is, you know? Uh, yeah. They could have shoehorned her in. They could have. I'm, But I, again, I don't know how necessary it is. Like she's in a different position than everyone else. She's weaseling her way into something. She's got this job. She's close to Hornsby, probably got something up her sleeve with him. So, you know, maybe it's best if she isn't directly involved in the letter writing campaign. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Article writing campaign, maybe. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. But she wasn't here. I'm sure she'll show up as soon as we're back in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Next, we have an email from Sarah in Nantwich, UK. I have a few points to make about this episode. Uh, they're really upping the blood and gore for this series, aren't they? The Commonwealth soldier hammering the walker's head was seriously grim. Uh, secondly, Max looks like a completely different person without her glasses on. I didn't recognize her in the first scene with Eugene. And finally, Leah and Maggie fighting was awesome. What a total pair of badass women they are. They definitely are badass women, and I did like the fight. We talked about that. The Max thing without her glasses on, I totally agree with Sarah. Now, I Those tr- glasses are pretty friggin' big. Like, they're, they're a massive, uh, the, the amount of real estate on her face, uh, is, is quite 
large. But they're awesome. Like, I like those glasses oh, a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. No, big nerdy glasses are totally right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I, I love them. They're good. But they do change her look a lot. And I'm right there with Sarah in that, whoa, she looks like a really different person with those glasses on and off. Now, obviously, there's makeup and there's hair and there's all kinds of things that go into uh, a character on a TV show, right? But it was a it was a big di- difference, I thought. Really interesting. Yeah. It reminded me, Jason, of something I saw recently on Twitter. Um, somebody tweeted out uh, a GIF of a scene from one of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Mm-hmm. And you know how in those films, and this has been a thing with Superman for a while, like he puts on his glasses and he's Clark Kent and no one, everyone's like, oh, you're Clark Kent. And he takes them off and he's Superman and nobody seems to be able to see the difference. Right. Well, there's a scene. I don't remember which Superman movie it is, which Richard Donner movie it is, but he, he takes the glasses off and the transformation in him just with no special effects is incredible and the person who tweeted it out was like this is the greatest special effects scene ever in the history of film and it's not even special effecty <laughs> no it's christopher reeves i know the scene you're talking about i know the shot and i it's it's a it's a marvel to behold just the the transformation that he goes through from uh, clark Kent to uh, to Superman is phenomenal. Yeah, and it's just it's in his posture, it's in his mannerisms, it's just everything about uh, the character changes. It, it's amazing to see. It is. He he doesn't even say anything in this scene. He just takes the glasses off. But you're right. It's the posture. He's kind of hunched over a little bit when he's Clark Kent. As he's taking them off, he straightens his body up. He smiles. He widens his eyes. Like he's a totally different person with those glasses off. And it's a it's an absolutely incredible little piece of acting, really. And Max looking co- totally different with the glasses on and off reminded me of that a bit. It's amazing yeah. what you can do with your face and with a pair of glasses and just some, well, with your body, really, not just your face. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve is a treasure. He's, uh, he's, he's missed. Very much, very much so. Makes and then me go wanna... watch a movie called Noises Off. I've seen Noises I think Off. I've, I've mentioned that before. He's, uh, he's amazing in that, too. That's the play movie, right? It is. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a play, uh, three acts. Yeah. It's, it's friggin' amazing. So good. I have seen that. He's great. Makes me want to go back and watch those Superman movies again. At least the first couple. Yeah. If you can get through the title sequence, good Lord. <laughs> and maybe the ending. Is it the first one where he flies the wrong way around the world? And Yeah, it's the first one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a little questionable, but. It's canon, he, right? He's amazing. And that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do a call here from Dan. Hi, this is Dan in New Jersey giving feedback for Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 16, Acts of God. This is about the most ineffective act of God I've ever seen. Or is this supposed to be plural? Acts? A bunch of noise and locusts flying overhead, and they don't actually do anything that affects anyone on the ground? All right. Or perhaps something else in the episode is supposed to count as an act of God? Were there any other references? A common use of that phrase is to provide exemptions and insurance coverage or contract fulfillment liability. I'm not seeing really how that fits here. Maybe the locusts will show up in a more impactful way in the, in the next season segment. Now, I agreed with you guys at first that Daryl telling Lance over the radio that Romero ain't here anymore was dumb. Then I realized that it was deliberate and uh, technically a good idea. Romero had just informed him uh, before 
getting uh, executed, that Lance is going after Maggie. Now, Daryl doesn't know that Maggie's already aware that Lance is coming for her. So, Daryl's probably hoping to distract Lance, bringing Lance's attention back to Daryl, Aaron, and Gabe so that Maggie isn't attacked without warning. So then it makes sense. Uh, in addition to the usual saying things over the radio that don't, that, you know, that don't make sense, this one kind of does. Now, when Sebastian was uh, harassing Max, I think he was supposed to be high on something. He seemed wobbly, and he makes reference to Max's coffee by saying that caffeine was the poor man's drug. I was worried he was going to hit on her and or offer to give her drugs. Perhaps we will find out what his drug of choice is in the upcoming episodes. Well, now we've got a long wait for the next main show episode. I'm going to have to think seriously about whether to actually watch Fear or just listen to you guys talk about it. It's been really bad, uh, and I didn't watch most of the previous seasons at all, just recap videos, so we'll see. Anyway, love the podcast. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. So starting at the beginning here, Jason, this is a thought that I had as well. I'll be honest with you about the locusts and the acts of God in this episode. Yep. Yeah, sure. A plague of locusts is sent by, you know, God, I guess. But what purpose did they serve in this episode? They, uh, they tied all the, everything together. Just, you know, everybody was looking up and going, whoa, locusts. It was a common thread, that's all, in different locations, people going, hey, look, swarm of locusts, what does that mean? Uh, yep, I think maybe yes. Because that seems flimsy to me. Like, I expected the locusts to actually have an impact, right? Like, maybe maybe what, during the, the shootout at the junkyard between Daryl and the troopers and everybody, maybe the locusts come down and they get in everybody's face and no one can shoot because they're all swarmed by locusts or something. But we had multiple scenes where people just looked up and were like, yep, there they are. But they didn't have any impact on what was happening to our characters or the plot or the storyline or anything. So I sort of wonder why they were there at all. And especially to be called out at the beginning with an on-screen title, like 19 hours and one act of God ago. Yeah. Okay. It, you'd think that where we get to by the end of the episode was, had something to do with that act of God, but I don't think it did. Maybe it'll become clear in the, uh, the next episode. So like do you think the, the, the swarm of locusts will persist through to the next episode? Cause I kind of figured we'd never see them again, but. You're right. If they had no impact on this episode, maybe they will. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, they, they didn't have an impact on this episode, and they didn't make a lot of sense. And the, the episode was called Acts, plural, of God, and there was only one swarm of locusts. So was there another act of God? I think that's what Dan is questioning, too. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything else that would qualify. Yeah. I, it's really it's really kind of weird. It is. So... I don't know. It's, it's strange. If you're going to put locusts in your show, especially that many, I think they should be there for a reason, not just for the title. Yeah. And they could have named it force majeure as well. So that's the contract term for, uh, you know, uh, unforeseen circumstances, just like, you know, shit happens. And uh -huh. if that happens, we can't cover it in this contract. <laughs> they could have called this episode shit happens. <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was a little confused by that as well, to be honest, Dan. So maybe we have yet to find out, but I don't know. What about his second point that, uh, Daryl was 
distracting Lance by telling him, hey, yeah, we're still here. We're alive. So focus on us instead of going after Maggie as a tactic to give Maggie a little bit more time. Yeah, it's plausible. I think plausible is a good word for that because... They didn't spell it out, no. but it is possible, I suppose. I think it's an interesting uh, theory that Dan's come up with, but I don't think that was very obvious in the text of the show. Uh, yeah. So I'm fine. We can go with that. And it does make some sense. And it it kind of puts Daryl in a really smart position, meaning like it was a, a good call by him. So I like it on that, from that angle. But no, I don't think it was very clear in the show that that's what he was doing. Um, yeah. But what can you do? Uh, and then finally, Sebastian being on drugs. This this makes sense to me as well, because if you recall, in the episode where he sent Daryl and Rosita into that house, he said there's money and there's drugs and there's things like that. So I think maybe he does have a bit of a hankering for the illicit substances. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine why not. Sure. You live in the zombie apocalypse. You're rich. You're entitled. Why not do some drugs? Yeah, the first thing I would do if the zombie apocalypse broke out is I'd start smoking again. You're goddamn right I would. <laughs> I'm sure you would, yeah. <laughs> One thing you just don't need to worry about, just start smoking yeah. again. <laughs> I, yeah, I would absolutely start smoking again. <laughs> so, I don't know. If he was high on something when he was bugging Max there, uh, maybe we'll find out. I, I can really see it, though. Because he did seem all jittery and maybe a little sweaty and... Yeah, maybe he was just nervous, but he maybe. could have been a lot of reasons for that, I suppose. He was definitely high. Okay. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, next we have a call from Reese. Hi, Chris and Jason. All I can say is holy crap. That was probably one of the best freaking mid-season, slightly further forward third of a season break I think we've ever had in Walking Dead. Um, I absolutely loved the episode. Uh, Leah looking like freaking the Terminator coming out of that building. It was literally like Sarah Connor and a Terminator coming at you at once. Um, it was really cool. Shame that she just like kind of never got a chance to be the Terminator past that point because you know she pretty much got her butt handed to her by Maggie twice in a row. Um, but that whole fight scene with Maggie and her was just phenomenal. Uh, I really loved that. Even though I knew the outcome of that fight because we, you know, sadly have known about the other things that are coming after the show, I still actually felt tension in that moment, which is pretty cool. You know, I was like, man, is she going to get, like, maimed or something? Or is it going to get, you know, because, like, obviously those things are still options, right? Like, people can still get messed up and stuff. But i got to say, that whole thing was really epic. The episode itself was really cool. I loved all the tension with Daryl and Gabriel and Aaron and that just sort of, like, a... That whole bit was super cool. Like, honestly, it was probably one of the best episodes of Walking Dead we've had in a really long time. And I loved it when Lance got shot in the face. Um, it just added to that whole tension of the moment of just like, even he was just like, what the hell? <laughs> Gonna blow my cheek off, boy. Um, <laughs> um, so I love that. And I love the, the cliffhangers that they've left in. For once, really good cliffhangers. Um, not knowing what's going to happen with Pam and the Commonwealth, like all of that side of things. We've got obviously all the communities now have been taken over by the freaking Commonwealth, which is crazy. Even Oceanside, like I was like sat there watching him flip that coin. Like, is he flipping because he's going to shoot all of Oceanside? Like just absolutely like freaking wipe them out? Like what? what's his plan there, Lance? What's your plan, Lance? Tell us. Um, but yeah, holy crap. Dudes, what an incredible episode. I uh, Sorry this has been long, um, but I cannot wait to listen to the feedback show. And uh, yeah, dudes, mind blown, just like Leah. Ooh, too soon. 
<laughs> but mind blown, just like Leah. So I agree. I, as I said, I thought the fight scene was really great. I, I do think that a little bit of the stakes are removed when we know that Maggie survives. Um, we don't know that Leah, we don't know if she survives or not. I mean, we didn't when we were watching it, right? So there's a bit of tension to be taken from there. But I think at this point, most people were kind of ready for Leah to go. And so it may have been, uh, may have felt like it was coming or definitely some relief was felt, I think, by a lot of people. Yeah, the, I, I knew Leah was not going to survive the uh, uh, the encounter. Yeah. I didn't know exactly how or who. I didn't know who until Daryl showed up. I thought maybe it was going to be uh, Negan uh, as soon as Maggie got into trouble. But uh, I, I knew that, you know, even Leah, even though Leah had the upper hand, uh, well, up here, apparently the upper hand uh, because uh, she had Maggie tied to a chair, uh, and a gun pointed at her. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, Leah's going to pull the trigger and that'll be the end of that. Except that we all know that that's not going to happen, but I knew right from the outset that uh, this was Leah's last episode. Yeah. Well, even when Leah got on top of her and had the knife and was about to put it through her chest, Maggie's chest, I mean, like Reese said, you know, there there could be pe- people could get maimed or injured really badly, you know, and not necessarily killed off. You know, you can be stabbed pretty bad without dying and that might be there's still tension to be derived from that i would say uh, yeah i mean we talked a lot about whether or not they were going to cut off rick's hand right way back in uh, the day yeah way back in the day it's like oh well they cut it off or they want not cut it off as soon as you do something like that you're committed to special effects for the remainder of uh, that character's appearance on the show and rick being a main character that's that's a lot of uh, working around to make sure that it's on there. I mean, yeah. Aaron, they've dealt with it by putting this uh, prosthetic mace on his hand, which is obviously just a thing he puts on his arm, right? So, uh, you know, you have to really suspend your disbelief for that. Uh, but, you know, maiming somebody, what are they going to do? They're going to put her in a wheelchair? Uh, they can't really do that in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, do they... Uh, uh, do they Mad Max this thing and build like a giant vehicle that she drives around in and becomes a super badass diesel punk chick? Uh, <laughs> you know, not? that's an, that's an option. You know, I'd watch that. I, I would definitely watch it, but, uh, again, they're not going to do it. So it's really tough. <laughs> Sounds like you're describing fear the walking dead. Like we had a guy in a wheelchair. We had the big, uh, <laughs> military Jeep, whatever that thing was, the MRAP, right? Yeah. That yeah. Thing. So <laughs> This is the these are all the ideas they just pour onto fear in, instead of for the main show, right? Yeah. So you know, maiming somebody, a main character that's going to be in a spinoff show, I don't think so. I mean, they might cut off her foot and then give her a prosthetic leg, and then you know, bada bing, bada boom, she's got a limp, and that's it. Right. Well, neither of those things happened. She's fine, and Leah's dead. Correct. That's really what happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, along those lines, let's get a call here from Zarina. Hey, Chris and Jason. Zarina from Bay Area here. Holy crap. Did you see that fight? It was one of the best fights I've seen on TV. It was like so quick. And I mean, everything seemed to worked out perfectly between them. There was a lot of chemistry. Every move I... I just felt it. It was like so amazing. And yes, it was a little cheesy with, you know, Daryl having to be the one to kill Leah with this 
awesome shot in the head that, you know, he did. But it was still spectacular. Thank you, guys. Bye. Spectacular. So there you go. Just reinforcing that it was a good fight. I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good fight. Totally. All right. Next, we have an email from Sophia in Houston. Uh, Sophia writes, I've been stewing about this one brief moment in the mid-season finale since it aired. Watching Maggie and Leah fight, I anticipated it would be Daryl who would find them. I thought for the storyline, Daryl needed to be one to kill Leah, but I really needed Leah to see it was Daryl. I felt a bit shortchanged on the shot to the back of the head. Am I wrong? So what do you think about this question? Leah doesn't know that it was Daryl that killed her. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter. She's dead. But there was no sort of face-to-face between the two of them before he pulled that trigger. Yep. Does that mean anything? Does that take anything away from it? Does it add anything to it? Like, any any thoughts on that? Well, from a storytelling perspective, you know, the fact that Daryl did it, it's more about Daryl's uh, sense of closure. It's, it's Daryl's closure of the story. It's not Leah's closure of the story, right? So, yeah. Leah gets shot in the back of the head. If I'm going to get shot in the back of the head, I don't give two shits who pulled the trigger, right? I'm not going to be disappointed afterwards that I didn't know who it was. No. I might be, but I assume that if there is an afterwards, I would know, right? So at least, you know, at the very least, I could ask somebody and they would tell me, like, mm-hmm. who shot me in the back of the head? It was your wife. Shit. I thought things were going well. <laughs> I didn't know that she had a gun. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Right. So it raises a few more questions. I'd start, I'd, you know, it would readjust my perspective on my life, but uh, at least, you know, I'd be able to tell. If there is no afterwards, well, it really doesn't matter then, does it? No, doesn't matter at all. So I think the important part is that we know and Daryl knows what he did. Right. Absolutely. And uh, our next call here from Naya sort of addresses this a bit. So I think she has some interesting thoughts on it. Um, Let's play that. Hi guys, this is Naya from Cincinnati. Just wanting to uh, give some feedback about uh, this, this episode, Acts of God. The whole Maggie-Leia fight, um, it was very obvious to me that Daryl was going to be the one to put Leia down. Um, And I say that because Leia should have left Maggie alone for the sake of Daryl because Maggie didn't finish the job for the sake of Daryl. So it just kind of like made sense that Daryl was going to be the one to do it. I kind of saw that coming a mile away, but at least they resolved that storyline. So I'm kind of happy with that. Everything else, like I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think things wrapped really well. Hornsby looks like a cray cray. And, um, but the one burning question I've had this whole time is what's the deal with Yumiko? Where is she? Did I miss something? Because I feel like we only saw her at that gala thing and then we haven't seen her since. And when they showed um, Pamela um, or Milton, right? Yeah. Um, You know, they only show Max. I'm like, where's Yumiko? Like what's going on? Did they just like write her off? Is she coming back for block three? You know, I, I don't know, but it's making me a little bit nuts. And she's not even in the trailer either. So, uh, or the teaser trailer for, for the uh, fall set. So anyways, I just wanted to share some of my thoughts and uh, I enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. 
and I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thanks, Naya. We'll talk about Yumiko in a second, but just to get back, back to the Daryl and Leah and Maggie stuff, I, I think what Naya is saying is that the sort of the dynamic here involves the three of those characters, mm-hmm. right? It's about the, you know, Daryl had a relationship with Leah and Maggie was involved in the elimination of uh, all the Reapers and Leah's people. And, you know, she shot Leah, let her live and stuff like that. And of course, all that happened. So the the resolution, I think, to it all had to be between the three of them as well, which is why I don't think it would have made as much sense for Negan to show up because if he showed up in that moment, it would have been about his relationship which Mag- with Maggie, which has nothing to do with what's going on between Leah and Daryl and Maggie and so on. I know Negan was there, but um, but I think it made more sense to have it be resolved between the three of these characters. Maggie can go off and figure her shit out with Negan some other way, right? Which she kind of is doing other things, right? Um, but it made more sense to have Daryl show up. So even though... Negan, it would have kind of worked. I think it worked better this way. I agree. I agree. I mean, all you know, I didn't know who it was going to be when uh, in the moment, but uh, once I realized, it, well, once I saw that it was Daryl, uh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then in terms of Yumiko, uh, that's a great question. Naya's right. We haven't seen her. I checked. We haven't seen her since that like big masquerade ball thing where she was outside at the end of it collecting signatures from people if you recall her and uh who else was there i forget now but uh that's what she was doing and then that's it we haven't seen her i think it's weird that her brother tommy has become more a part of the show, at least lately, than she has been, right? He's been involved in surgeries and the stuff with Ezekiel and so on. So um, it's strange. And I hadn't really noticed that we hadn't seen her, but now that Naya pointed it out, it really sticks out to me. It sticks out a little bit. We've got some people missing. Uh, you know, we've got Carol missing. We've got Yumiko missing. We've got uh, uh, people were, you know, taking the, taking some time off mm-hmm. for some unknown reason. Yeah, we've got um, Magna only in basically like one scene, almost the entire block of eight episodes. And where the hell's Jerry? We need more Jerry for crying out loud. That's right. We saw him at the beginning and he just seems to be living his life with his family, which is great, but he hasn't done anything. You'd think he'd be hanging out and working with Ezekiel because they're still buddies. Yeah. And where you the know? hell's Michonne? <laughs> really good question. Yeah. Haven't seen Bring her. Shown back. And where's Heath? I don't know where Heath went. Oh God. You'd think Heath, you'd think we would have just seen him walking around in the background somewhere. But somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We got some missing people here. We need to figure out. We do for sure. But Yumiko is the most glaring, I think at this point, because she's, she's like just off camera all the time and we just never see her. I'm kind of surprised she wasn't in that meeting of Connie and Magna and everybody writing the article and Eugene and all them. Can we call that the cabal? The cabal? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. She wasn't in the meeting of the cabal then. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Anyways, I'm sure she'll come back though, Nyather. We haven't seen the last of Yumiko. Uh, she'll be in the in the final eight somehow. Somehow. Yes, That's exactly. It. All right. Next, we have a call from Eugene. 
Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Eugene from Yokohama, Japan. Uh, I unfortunately don't have a mullet like Eugene on the show. Um, but, you know, I do, I do what I can with what I got. Um, I wanted to give you my feedback for uh, this mid-season finale that just aired. Uh, I thought it was good overall. What I really, really liked about this episode was the shootout. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really well shot. Uh, no pun intended. Um, there was a lot of good uh, camera work, especially with the flanking that the the, the Commonwealth guys on the side, you can tell that they're you know, getting into position to ambush them. Um, I thought it was just cool that, you know, they they did a really good job with how they filmed it and all the action. Um, what, I, what I did notice is that if you look close, you can actually see that the, the guns that they're using, the rifles are actually ejecting shells. So it was cool that they were, you know, putting a little bit more realism into it. I like that kind of small things. It's one of my pet peeves when they use guns and they don't seem to really be real guns. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really cool and well done. Uh, yeah, I, I like that group together, those three. Uh, lastly, if I had to make any type of prediction, I feel like Aaron or Ezekiel will die towards the end. I feel like Ezekiel, especially just because uh, he's a little too happy and uh, trying to help everybody and do what he can to make the world a better place. And that doesn't seem to go far on this show. All right. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for what you guys did and your podcast. I listen to it all the time. This is my first time calling in, but um, living abroad, it's nice to have a, a friendly voice back home to listen to every week. So thanks for everything you do. All right. Bye. Oh, no. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, the shootout, it was great. And I think, like, would you say he's talking about the cinematography of the shootout? Or just the choreography, the cinematography, the, uh, the props management. I mean, we've had, uh, with that whole battle, uh, whole war with, uh, the saviors, uh, you know, they really kind of skimped on this stuff. Like, uh, there was nothing being ejected. No, uh, nothing was, you know, the, uh, the action wasn't being cycled on the, uh, on the, uh, the firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no, uh, there was no kick. There was no nothing. It was just basically they were using, uh, laser guns right pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh that sounded like real guns this was much uh done it was done a lot better and i and i made note of that i thought of it and i meant to bring it up in the uh, in the recap but uh absolutely the you know things were done correctly in the, in this particular shootout they really thought it through uh the action was good uh, i absolutely agree with you every point eugene made i think they uh, they did a really good job on this yeah, and I just had fun watching it because I thought it was really cool too. Like, is is choreography and cinematography and that kind of stuff the same as? Well, I mean, some people say like when the sound design is is really good on a show or a movie, you don't notice it. And do you think that's the same for like the average viewer? Maybe, but do you think that's the same for cinematography and stuff? Like when it's really good, you don't really notice it. You notice it when it's bad. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm 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 that schmo that doesn't really notice these things unless it's really pointed out or I'm really paying attention. Right, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I I agree though. It was great. The whole thing was uh, just set up really well, and I didn't notice the guns and the the shell casings and stuff like that. But that's not the kind of thing I really would be paying attention to very much. But I'm glad that they got it all right because it was a really fun, entertaining scene. It was. Alrighty, next is a call from Dominic. Bonjour, Chris. Salut, Jason. This is uh, Dominic from La Belle Province, your neighbor in Quebec. 
Uh, I'm calling uh, because I'm calling actually bullshit on the entire forest thing. So, uh, as you know, Quebec is a vast province and I live in this part of the province you might know as Abitibi-Témiscamingue, which is practically your neighbor. Uh, and what we have here in Abitibi is forests, 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 and some more forests. So, uh, in this show, what we have is a, a huge forest and they say in the show that Daryl and friends, they are like 10 miles away from Hornsby and his crew and Maggie and Leah, So that's a huge forest. That's 10 miles of forest. But somehow in all this, uh, Leah decides to go track Maggie. Maggie decides to track Leah. They manage to find each other at night. And Daryl managed to walk 10 miles during the day to find Leah and save Maggie right in time. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to a forest, especially a forest at night, but you just turn around twice and you're lost. And finding your friend in a hundred meters of forest is almost impossible. So this 10 miles hunt, I mean, they're hunter, they're tracker, but it's, I still call bullshit on it. It's impossible. It doesn't make any sense. Unless at the end, the cabin where uh, Leah held Maggie is actually the, the Daryl and uh, Leah love cabin, which would mean that in the episode when Daryl finds the traps and he said it's Leah because of course no one makes a trap like Leah he thought to himself well if it's Leah she's probably at the cabin because she's dumb and then he, he gets to the cabin and saves Maggie so anyway I know it's just a TV show I enjoyed I still enjoy it I'm still having fun watching there's a van in the background I'm sorry for the noise so uh, yeah uh, enjoy the show keep up the good work and uh, à la prochaine On to the next. Dominic, thank you very much. Uh, what do you think about The Forest? I, I agree that the show, this episode, and it's been a little bit of a trend lately, is playing really fast and loose with the travel times between places and just the locations of where things are. We've got characters running around at night in the forest, not getting lost, which, you know, is impossible. And we've got Daryl traveling all the way back 10 miles just yeah. in time it, like it all is just very loosey-goosey i've got two forest stories oh great that, uh, that both are relevant to this okay so i absolutely agree thank you dominic for pointing this out that uh it didn't occur to me because it's been a long time since i've been in a true forest or really thought about it uh but yeah calling bullshit on, on that is absolutely the correct thing to do because i agree with you uh the first story i have is when i was a kid probably uh, grade two, something like that. Uh, we lived in Sault Ste. Marie and we lived in a, in a house that had uh, woods and it wasn't a forest. Like there was roads ringing the whole thing. It was probably a hundred meters on one side and maybe 400 meters on another side. So it was kind of a triangle shape, but there was, it was kind of an L shape as well. So there was a, it was a good chunk, but it's not absolutely massive. And we went in there and we just were walking around and it was me and my brother and my cousin and we got lost and we didn't know where we were, or what was going on. And we wandered around there, what felt like fucking hours and hours and hours, probably only like 20, 30 minutes, but we wandered around in there for a long time and we got turned around and we came out of the forest and we're like, okay, I know we're no longer in the forest and there's a road here, but it took us a long time to figure out what road we were looking at because we didn't know what direction was what. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. Maggie and Leah and Daryl are probably better at tracking in the forest than me being in grade two. Uh, but 
still, it can be, it can be a little bit daunting when, even when you're in a small forest, you can get lost very easily during the day. Yeah. And the second story I have is, uh, when I was younger, a bit older than that, we moved to Fort McMurray, Alberta, and that's north, uh, you know, an hours and hours and hours north of Edmonton. So it's up there in the, uh, in the forest and, uh, there's nothing up there except, you know, oil sands. But I remember, uh, you know, standing on a road and looking at this forest and thinking, how far does this go? And the, what occurred to me was it goes all the way. Like is the next thing I can think of that is beyond this spot here, beyond the forest, it's the fucking Arctic circle. <laughs> like there's nothing up there. There might be a dirt road. There might not be. Yeah. Like there's nothing for a thousand miles or mm-hmm. a thousand kilometers straight that way. Nothing. These trees only end because the ground is too frozen for more trees to grow. <laughs> and the, the trees were all stunted there too. It was because oh, yeah. of the, uh, the oil sands, you know, the trees couldn't get very tall because they, you know, the roots would get into the, uh, yep. oil infested ground, which really fucked them up. So they're really ugly, scrawny scrub trees. Right. But, uh, yeah, looking and comprehending a true forest is, uh, humbling. Totally. And so a big forest is, is scary. Yeah. And we've got plenty of that in Canada. And of course he's from Quebec. So that's part of Canada and Quebec is a lot of forest as well. It's a big province and there's a lot of forest and it's the same kind of thing, right? You, yeah. you, you know, you're looking around and you turn left and you go, what's on the other side of this? It's, it's goddamn Arctic circle. It's Baffin Island up there. It's more trees for as long as you can imagine. Yeah. And then, and then all you can think of is, you know, what's up there really? It's the HMS Terror. That's what's up there. It's uh, it's the sunken HMS Terror, looking for the, uh, the Northwest Passage. That's not really Quebec. It's more of a you know uh, north of New Brunswick or whatever. But whatever you know, still it's uh, you know people have died up there because there's nothing up there. Right. Definitely not a lot up there. <laughs> yeah. All Crazy. right. Well, those are good forest stories. And uh, respect the forest, everyone. It's very dangerous and scary, especially at night. Yeah. There's a park across the street, and I ain't going in there at night. No, there's probably like deer and coyotes ro- roaming around. There, well, there are deer and there are coyotes. We saw a deer and we saw a coyote. So fucking keep an eye out. Yeah. For the first time in my life, I live in a very dense area, probably more population dense than yours. And uh, there was a coyote roaming around. My wife saw it walking the dog. That's scary when you're walking a little dog and there's a coyote walking down the middle of a residential street. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so... We got to be careful of coyotes even here where we live now. Yeah. And a couple of nights, or a couple of weeks ago, when just as we were doing the podcast, my wife, uh, she has befriended a neighborhood cat mm-hmm. and uh, lets the cat in every now and again, but she didn't want to let it out because she saw a coyote. And she's like, I, you know, I know you're not my cat and I know that uh, you're an outdoor cat and you're screaming to go outside, but uh, there's a coyote out there. I'm not sure I want to let you out. You might get eaten. Not yeah. good. So eventually she let him out and, uh, he came back. So he's fine. Okay. That's good to know. No word on the coyote. He didn't come back. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know where Hopefully he, he doesn't. Right. Uh, the cabin. Dominic mentions the cabin as well, where, uh, Leah holds Maggie and he refers to it as the Maggie and Daryl love cabin. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, right? Leah like, and Daryl love cabin. Or, sorry. Leah and Daryl love cabin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that may be how... Oh, part of the reason that uh, Daryl knew where to go. I mean, maybe the primary reason, but yes, it was that cabin and 
now we'll probably never see it again, unless Daryl moves in for some reason. But Well, you know, he shot his girlfriend that he lived there with, and I guess uh, we have an answer to who Dog is going to go with. Oh, yeah. Jesus, we haven't seen... Speaking of missing characters, Dog. <laughs> Where the hell's Dog? Where is Dog? Is Dog, like, living with Judith, Judith and RJ? Ah, uh, Jerry. Jerry's got taken care of everything. Maybe Dog is in the in the uh, petting zoo that Ezekiel's running. I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, poor Dog. I want to see Dog again. Absolutely. All right. Is it my turn or your turn? It's my turn. Next, we have a call from Anwin. Hey, guys. I know you'll get lots of feedback, so I'll try and make it quick. Daryl, Aaron, and Gabe, you will not find a hotter, more badass trio of dudes in the zombie apocalypse or anywhere else. That scene was fantastic. Max and Eugene, I predict death for one or both of them. Eugene just looks way too happy and all of that tension and stress is gone from his beautiful little face. I think it's going to turn bad. And then finally, Maggie and Leah at the end, very predictable, but so satisfying. When Leah had Maggie pinned down and was about to go for the kill, uh, we were yelling, Daryl, 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 and then in he comes. Boom. See ya, Leah. <laughs> I think that whole call was worth it for the see ya, Leah. <laughs> see ya, Leah. That's great. <laughs> Definitely great. Is Eugene going to die? He's too happy. It's It's kind of sad to me that... As soon as people on the show are perceived as being happy or content, everyone thinks, well, they're done for. I don't know. Uh, Jerry and Nabila are fine. Everything's fine there. Yeah. They're not going to die. They're not on the chopping block. I mean, but we have them feeling good about themselves, it seems like. We've got Ezekiel with things going pretty well. He seems happy. He's cured of cancer. We've got Eugene with a, a lady friend and... and uh, it seems like things are going pretty well, at least in that regard for him. I don't know. Somebody, somebody's going to have to go down soon. Okay. So, uh, Eugene is the only one that I have a question about. He still seems to be a bit conflicted and can't seem to let things go. Yeah. So, but he's also becoming, uh, more and more happy. So he, I, I agree. I think he might die. Uh, other people, I think Negan and his wife, are going to be fine. I think she's going to be in the spinoff as well with okay. the kid. Okay. And uh, I think that there's going to be a couple of families going towards New York rather in than uh, uh, just two individual characters. Interesting. I mean, it does. I could see Annie being killed off. I can't see Herschel. Uh, being so they're not, they can't, they can't get rid of Herschel at this point. Right. So they're, if they try to write a way for Maggie to separate from Herschel, I guess they could like, you know, it, the Commonwealth becomes a upstanding safe place and she decides to leave him there while she goes off on whatever she's doing with Negan. With Jerry. She leaves Herschel with Jerry. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, but I can't see him being killed off. But I can see Annie being killed off, so I wonder if that'll happen. Yeah. Uh, and as far as uh, uh, Ezekiel, yeah, maybe he might die because he was almost dead, so now he's not going to die, so that means he's going to die, right? Well, that's kind of the thinking, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's what I think is going to happen. I think a lot of people are going to survive, uh, but I think some people are going to die. <laughs> but I don't know if it's necessarily based on how happy they are at the time. So, so what you're saying is some people are going to survive. Yeah. And some people other, are going to survive some of the time. 
Uh-huh. And other, other people are going to die all of the time. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's write that down. <laughs> <laughs> what a bold prediction. That's right. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Edwin, for that. Here comes a call from Gray. Hey, guys. It's Gray from Bournemouth. Um, it's been a while since I've been in touch, but with all the excitement right now, I figured it was time to give you guys a call. Um, and I use excitement in a very sarcastic manner. Because I, I'm bored. Like, I have stuck with this show. I've stuck with fear. I've stuck with well beyond all the way through. And I, I've fought their corner to all of my friends who have given up long ago. But at the moment, I am really struggling to just find anything to, to get passionate about. You know, we've had the Leah story arc, which... I just did anyone care? Like even Daryl didn't care when he when he shot her. He cared more when when Connie came back and he didn't care about that. And you know, I just feel at the minute we're meant to be in this epic final season and nothing epic is really happening. We've had no major character deaths, which I, I'm not saying we need to have character deaths, but you know, even Oldham that death was a damp squib. Like, we've had a couple of red shirts. We had Marco, who, as soon as he turned up again, we knew he was going to go. And, like I said, we don't need big deaths, but there have been so many opportunities for something shocking. You know, had Lance shot Eugene down in the basement, which I genuinely thought was going to happen, that would have been amazing. Like, it would have unified our group because where the hell is Eugene? You know, had Herschel shot Negan, which if we didn't know that the, the spin-off was coming, we would have felt some tension in. But there's just nothing. You know, we're seeing so little of the characters. They're so spread out right now. You know, where the hell is Jerry? The dude has finally been made main cast and he's not there. You know, we know that Luke is busy filming Fantastic Beasts or, you know, but even get him in at that last shot of Oceanside. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm I'm kind of spent at the moment. I, I'm feeling so little excitement for the show and I'm not going to give up because Christ, you know, I've dedicated hours and hours in my life, but Anyway, long rambling rant, much like this long rambling season. Um, keep up the good work, guys. Um, yeah, I'll I'll catch you at the end, I suppose. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Gray. So I think he's feeling a little bit of the sunk cost fallacy with this show right now. Yep. Which is too bad. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, Gray, stick with it. You never know what might happen in the final eight episodes. Could make it all worthwhile. But what I wanted to pull out from his uh, long rambling email, as he said, was the the idea of of like nothing epic happening in this season so far, and and how that kind of plays into what your expectations are going in. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people, myself included, because I've experienced what Gray is expressing here. The, the, the idea that like it doesn't feel like we are leading towards something 
or at least it doesn't feel like we're are leading towards something big, something epic, like a big finish, you know? And I don't think that's fair to put on the show. I think that's more about me and Gray as viewers than whatever the show is doing, because we don't know where it's going and we won't know until we've seen it. Uh, and the show doesn't need to make us feel like it's leading towards something big and epic. It just needs to tell the best story. You could easily argue that it's not doing that, but that's more a matter of opinion than anything else. So I've kind of settled myself down a little bit and thought, all right, they're doing what they're doing. We're going to experience this story. Hopefully it's going to be amazing when it's all said and done. And my feelings and my expectations right now are only valid in that kind of like I'm experiencing them, but I can't really, I have to reserve judgment until it's all done in a way. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's a wise decision. Uh, you know, we don't know what the overall plan is. Uh, we had a very similar issue with uh, the first half of season two. You know, where is this going? They're just sitting on a farm. They're not doing anything. They're just, they're kind of looking for uh, Sophia, but they're not really doing anything. And then we had that fucking mid-season finale uh, and it just, uh, it was all worth it. Yeah. So, uh, from what I recall, like I haven't gone back. It's just what I remember. But so we're, we're, uh, we're paying into this right now and I'm hoping that, uh, that it'll pay off in the end. Yeah. The show will pay out in the end. I, I do hope, um, in terms of like character deaths though, you know, Gray was saying that we haven't really had a big character death. He also said, we don't really need one. I'm not saying we need those, but He's sort of identified some opportunities where it could have happened. But again, I don't really think you can, you can say Eugene didn't get shot by Lance in that scene and therefore that's bad because we don't know what role Eugene is going to play in the future. And if he was killed off there, obviously that changes things a great deal. It's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And uh, I, I do agree that knowing that Negan survives due to the spinoff show with him is a huge bummer. The funny thing is, and I've been meaning to mention this, is that even people like Jeffrey Dean Morgan kind of think that's a bummer because someone has asked him about that. His answer was, well, yeah, I didn't know they were going to do that. And uh, I'm not sure that was the best decision kind of thing. Um, even Angela Kang was asked about it, the showrunner, and sh she said the same thing. We didn't really know, but I don't have any control over that kind of stuff, right? I don't dictate yeah. the way AMC markets the show. I just run the show and try to tell the best story we can. And since she's not involved in the, in the uh, spinoff at all, she doesn't really have any say. So it is a little bit of uh, right hand, not talking to the left hand. It kind of feels like, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. And it's too bad that those things are affecting your enjoyment of this show. Um, but it's totally valid that it does. Yeah, it's the right hand not giving a shit what the left hand is doing. It's like, uh, you know, we need to market something and uh, the marketing team is trying to, uh, uh, they're trying to make their own money, right? They're not thinking about big picture. They're thinking about, uh, you know, what can we do to generate buzz for this yep. and and show that we're generating buzz for this. You know, if we can, uh, if we can put this out and we can point to people talking about it, news articles, releases, podcasts, what have you, who's talking about this, we've got engagement. This is, this is, uh, this is, you know, community engagement. They're engaging with this idea. So, uh, this is going to be a great show because, 
you know, yeah. it's uh, it's the Howard Stern thing. Uh, it doesn't matter if you like Howard Stern or if you hate him. Everybody listens to Howard Stern to find out what the, he's going to say next. Right. I right? mean, it's, there was a time for sure. There was yeah. a time that that happened. Now nobody gives a shit about Howard Stern because he's he's old hat. Oh, so he gets, he has another stripper on the show. Who cares? <laughs> right? How many strippers can I possibly listen to on the radio? It doesn't seem like the right medium for strippers, Jason. Well, that's the nice thing about it is people have their own imagination, right? Ah. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just they're, they're talking about this stuff and you imagine what's going on in the studio. It's like, oh, it's so crazy in there. Can you imagine what these people are doing? Yeah. It's like, no, they're all sitting in their own individual booths uh, talking to people. Howard Stern does not interact with the common masses. He doesn't even interact with his co- co-workers. I mean, there that that show was televised too, wasn't it? At least for a while. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, I mean, it is what it is, Gray. I I feel your pain a little bit, but let's see how it finishes it off at the end. And by all means, call in again sometime and let us know after it's all said and done. I would love to hear if if it comes together for you or not. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next we have a call from Ross. Hey guys, how's it going? Ross here. Um, Really good episode, I thought, overall. I was a big fan. Uh, Had a few notes, though. Had a few notes. One of them was, right, when your man gets shot in the head after they blow up Hilltop, I was just like, come on. Because he stands up, like, they're like, okay, we need to follow them back to camp and let's end this. And he's there with this big smile on his face. He's like, yeah, yeah, guys. Sounds great. He's just really happy. And you're like, come on, no one's that happy. It's like, you know he's about to get shot in the head. He's delighted with himself. And then he's like, you ready, bud? Let's go. And he just just stands there smiling. He's just standing there smiling for a little bit, you know, like no one in a zombie apocalypse can smile for that long uninterrupted without getting shot in the head. And that's what happened. Uh, Another note, um, when uh, Lance, all his guys get killed in Hilltop and he's raging. So he throws his walkie-talkie at like a van or at a Jeep or a truck or something. And I was thinking, how funny would it be if that was the same truck that he'd been trying to start in the previous episode? And if he threw his um, walkie-talkie at it and it just started automatically like uh, Fonzie or something. I think that'd be pretty funny if they had done that. But uh, alas, they did not. Uh, Also, last note, whoever directed this episode did a fucking unreal job because it was just really wet. It was like really beautiful looking, you know, it was like um, all the, all the like shots were like whipping around to different characters and like the forest scene was really tense and uh, the, the shootout scene where they're in the, um, what is it now? In, in the like junkyard and the bullets are like whacking off the school bus and stuff. It was unreal. It was very cool. Very, and it, was, like, it just looked like a movie as well. Like when they're draping the Commonwealth um, flag over the Alexandria gates, you're like, wow, it just looks so good. It looked like a movie, you know? Anyway, um, big fan. Cheers, guys. Cool. Thanks, Ross. Uh, I think his impression of Marco is hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. No one can smile in the zombie apocalypse for that long without getting shot in the head. That's true. Makes sense. Uh, Lance throwing the walkie-talkie at the truck, and if the truck had just turned on at that moment, I think that would have been hilarious and totally out of place for this show, but funny. Still funny, yep. Definitely funny. Uh, I think it would be more Christine rather than Fonzie, like uh, the Christine, the Stephen King sure, yeah. car, <laughs> not, not your wife. I get it. Also not her name, but you know, close. Close. Uh, but you know, and you know, Fonzie, what does he do? He like comes and pounds his fist on the hood of the thing and it starts up or whatever. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, 
smacking a uh, a jukebox to get it started that makes kind of sense cuz uh you know percussive maintenance is a thing mm-hmm. but if you're banging on a car and it starts that car's got some problems you need to check the wiring cuz that is not a good situation no it's not really supposed to do that yeah no i mean to to get the started there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen in a car for it to start right uh, you know, you got to get the starter motor going. You get it. It's, it's a whole thing. So if there's a, if there's a problem and that car starts just by hitting it, man, you, you get some cross wiring going on there. Yeah. Well, you know, would have been funny in any case. It would have been funny. Yeah. You know, I'm also trying to, I was trying to nail down Ross's accent, figure out where he's from, but I can't do it. He's got a, he's got a fairly unique accent. So Ross, let us know next time, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm horrible at accents. I know. I know. It's fine. I'm, I barely can figure out where you're from. I know, and it's not very far from you. Yeah, and you laugh at me when I say caterpillar. Caterpillar. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) All right, thanks, Ross, for that call. Let's continue. We've got one here from Scott. Hey, guys, it's Scott from Kingston. I'm just giving some feedback on the section finale of Walking Dead, Acts of God. Um, I didn't think it was that great of an episode, honestly. Like, I was really expecting more. Um, I thought that the first seven were, were pretty good, but I didn't really think they nailed the landing. Um, definitely agree that the whole thing about Hornsby taking these communities doesn't make any sense to me at all either. Like, there's nobody in any of them except for Oceanside, and then those people they've captured anyway, so they're taking away the one useful asset. Otherwise, these are just places with walls, and they've got the Commonwealth, like... The only thing I can possibly think of, and I think this is a long shot, is that maybe they're trying to set up like satellite posts to help with some kind of battle against CRM, assuming they even know against about CRM. Like maybe that I don't think that's true though, but I just don't get it. I don't get why. And then like the other part of that episode, which to me was way more interesting, was um, the stuff that was actually happening inside the Commonwealth with Eugene and Connie and that whole thing and Carol. Um, I was way more interested in that storyline, but I feel like that got like very little of the screen time. And we spent most of it on this weird conquest of Hornsby to take over communities that really have no value to them. Um, I know, like, I'm pretty sure at the end there at Hilltop, there was only like four people left that even lived there and they were all gone. And I don't think there's that much more in Alexandria at this point. So anyway, anyway, that was my thoughts. Uh, Hopefully, you know, they can figure out a way to make this all work out for the best in the last eight. And I'm really looking forward to to the end. Uh, All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Jason, why don't you continue with the next email right away? Because it sort of addresses a similar thing. Sure. We have an email from Chantel. Chantel? Chantel. Yeah. In Minnesota, I just wanted to comment on why I think Lance is taking over Hilltop, in quotes. Ocean, oh, sorry, Hilltop, Oceanside, and Alexandria. I think it's because he knows that our people are living in the Commonwealth under uh, the auspices that they come, they can come and go as they please. Remember, Rosita only planned to stay at Commonwealth until Alexandria was fixed up. Then she and Coco were going home. I think Daryl and the kids had a similar plan. By Lance taking over, our people have nowhere to go. Alexandria, Oceanside, and Hilltop, what's left of it, are now part of the Commonwealth versus before when they would, uh, they would more so have been a partnership with the Commonwealth. They are back, uh, they are between a rock and a hard place. Right. So Scott's talking about 
you know, why is Lance worried about taking over these locations when there's like nobody there and stuff. And that's what I was expressing a couple nights ago on Monday during the recap. Um, and I think Chantel hits on a pretty good explanation here. It's just, he wants to control these places. He wants to control the people, Lance I'm talking about. And if our people like Rosita and Daryl and the kids were planning on living in the Commonwealth just temporarily or on a trial basis and then going back to Alexandria once it was all fixed up, well, now they no longer have that option, really. Or, yeah. or if they do, they're just going back to another Commonwealth-controlled place, which uh, might be no good. So it is definitely a way for Lance to exercise his power and control over everyone. And, I, and that makes a lot of sense to me. It does. And I think it makes perfect sense. And I think that, uh, that's exactly, uh, what is going on and I like it. And that, I think that's, exa uh, that's canon now. All right. Canon in your mind. I, I think the idea of, of, uh, Lance creating sort of satellite Commonwealth locations, I think there's, could be something that to that as well, but at the same time, you have to remember that conversation he had with Pamela a number of episodes ago about expanding your empire too far or too quickly, you end up losing your empire because you spread yourself too thin. And, and I don't know, maybe that is something that's going to play into it, right? Like that's information that they gave us, probably not by accident. So maybe that will play into it somehow. Lance is, you know, overreaching a little bit and it's going to lead to or contribute to his downfall in some way. I don't know. Um, but I think it's worth remembering as well. And if he is doing that, I really don't think it's for a fight against the CRM. There's been no indication that these people even know about the CRM or anywhere else. And we've talked about that a little bit. And I, yeah. the more and more I think about it, I really don't think it's going to play into it. Maybe they will be a made, they'll be made aware of the CRM, but I don't think there's going to be any direct interaction or crossover. I agree. I don't think it's going to come into play at all. I, I did for a while there, you know, earlier on, but it just doesn't feel like we're going that way. I think we're going to stick with the Commonwealth. We're going to stick with what's going on there and how our characters have an impact on it. So... Yeah, I think that's what's happening. I agree. All right. Thank you, Scott and Chantel. Next is an email from Karen in Los Angeles. And Karen says, at first, I was super annoyed that Lance is all dressed up in a tie, jacket, and vest. But now I see it's so they can show how unraveled he's becoming. His tie is loose, his jacket and vest are open, and his hair is a mess. <laughs> so what do you think? It's just a way of like depicting how he's losing it a little bit. He's not all put together anymore. Yeah. If he was frumpy and, uh, was wearing, uh, you know, unkempt clothing, then how do you know he's frazzled? Right. He's clearly frazzled because his tie is loosened. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. I think it's a great visual aid actually to, uh, communicate his current sort of state of mind. Yeah. It's really good. Sweet. All right, next we have an email from Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. My favorite Canadian's not named, not named Joe Sackick. Correct. I, I assume that that is a hockey player? It, it is. Matt is a big Avalanche fan. Him and I have talked about hockey over email a little bit. And uh, we he addresses us in this email as his favorite Canadian's not named Joe Sackick. 
with a U. He spelled favorite with a U. Oh, look at that. He did. He spelled it the the, uh, the Canadian can- way. Canadian way. That's the British right. way. Uh, so that was nice. Thanks, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the, uh, uh, you know, coming over to the dark side. Uh, okay, so Matt continues. I largely enjoyed the second third of the season, including the finale. I agree that they wrapped up what they needed to while setting up the final eight. I think I can help with a couple of your complaints as well. First, the one I'm least sure about, the Lance slash Romano walkie-talkie uh, mistake. Since it wasn't a real mission, they didn't have real places to clear and just got mixed up on how many places they said they were at. Flimsy as hell, but I th- I'm thinking their mistake is supposed to be what clued our heroes into being positive. It was a setup. Second, everyone mentioned that Maggie was the starter of this fight. This reminded me of Negan's introduction. Sure, Negan beating Glenn and Abe's skull was terrible, uh, but their interactions all started with our group sneaking into an outpost and murdering a bunch of sleeping saviors. In this newest instance, uh, as far as Lance knows, Maggie's group stole their guns and murdered an indeterminate number of Commonwealth soldiers. If Lance was our protagonist, we'd be 100% all in on him doing this. Yeah, so there's the explanation, I think. Lance thinks it was Maggie and her people that attacked that convoy, stole the weapons and the supplies, and he's going after her. Except that he found Leah with all the guns leaning up against trees. Yeah, he did find Leah. Does he know that she stole them, though? She had four guns leaning up against a tree. Uh, So those are the guns. The the rest of them have to be there. He has to know that Leah took the guns. Yeah, okay. I suppose he does. So what you're saying is he still has no real reason to be going this hard after Maggie. I question it. Yeah. Like I question it because we know we know Leah took the guns. Yeah, Lance found Leah. Leah was leaning some guns up against a tree when she went into her tent and then took the secret tunnel out of the tent uh, to get the jump on the uh, on the soldiers. Uh huh. So I assume they found the tunnel, which contained all the rest of the guns. Of course, because where else would you keep your stolen guns but in a tunnel? <laughs> in a tunnel. So yeah. I, I just, I wonder, I wonder. Yeah, but, no, you're right. I, I hear you. It's, it's not quite all there yet for me. I just, I, th- I think we need to, uh, I need, I think we need to uh, commission a, uh, a group of people uh, to, to investigate. I think we need to appoint a special prosecutor to go in and investigate who knew what and when. Uh, to figure out exactly uh, what the hell is going on here. Okay. Well, if there's anyone out there who'd like to volunteer for that job, you uh, let us know. Commission a panel. That's the phrase I was looking for. So commission a panel in order to uh, investigate this. Yeah, totally. I expect a report on my desk in uh, six to eight months. A preliminary report. I don't want to, you know, make the timeline too tight. No, no. Six to eight months uh, for a preliminary report uh, on my desk. Sure. The final report coming uh, at least 18 months after that. At least, yeah. More, probably more like three to four years. Yeah, 18 months to four years, I think would be a a fairly good time frame frame for a report for this panel. (laughs) All right, good. (laughs) We'll get that panel spun up just as slowly as possible. Sure. Uh, Listen, the Lance slash Romano walkie-talkie mistake and the location confusion and where they are and how far away they are and what the hell they're doing. I mean, does it explain it? In that it was just kind of all a ruse anyways, and this is one of the things that led Aaron, Daryl, and Gabe to being sure that this was all kind of a setup and they were going to be killed anyways. I mean, that's 
seems plausible too, but also not really depicted in the show outright. Well, they didn't really give each other dirty looks after that statement, right? If they really wanted to show us that, uh, you know, it was an indicator that somebody was going to die or that they were going to, you know, clear the field, uh, you know, there would have been, there would have been knowing looks between the characters. Weren't there though? Like, Um, I don't know. I have to go back and rewatch it, but I don't think so. I don't know. It's, it, uh, it seems, you're right. It seems like it would be more overt, more obvious on the show if they wanted us to figure this out. I think it's a good theory, Matt, and I'm okay to go with it. Um, but I just think it was all very confusing and maybe it was supposed to be. And, and like, maybe he's right. Maybe it was just, these guys were sent out to do this and they didn't have a lot of time to plan. And so they were making it up as they went along and, and that's it. You know, they were like, uh, no second, third. I don't know. We're at the second place, I think. And we're going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, it works kind of for me. Let's move on to trucker Tom, who's on the road as usual. And he writes, Regarding how could Maggie possibly accept Negan, we need to remember the world they live in. They all have been living for many years in a harsh, unforgiving, violent, bloody existence. No one's hands are clean. Everyone has done immoral, evil acts, especially Maggie. She has killed in cold blood, killed to set an example, killed to protect those she is responsible for. Since Glenn's death, she has been the leader of at least two communities and had to make the hard choices. Since coming back, Maggie has had plenty of opportunities to talk to others about Negan, how he has changed over the years, how he has proven himself. Heck, Maggie found him in a non-leadership role in another community where he was respected and relied on. When he and Maggie were alone in the woods, old Negan would have killed her. New Negan simply went his own way. Old Negan had no reason to save Herschel and Inigo Montoya waiting in the wings, yet Negan did even was honest with him about killing Glenn. In the messed up world they live in, Negan has shown himself to have become a better, reliable person that is worthy of earning trust. What do you think, Mr. Miles? Uh, Trucker Tom has written a solid opinion uh, that I cannot find fault with. Yeah. He even mentions Inigo Montoya, which uh, goes a long way. Little Herschel and Inigo Montoya waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Like, I can't help but th- but think differently about Negan now than I did all those years ago when he was first introduced. And he has done things to redeem himself and to... Um, you know, present himself in a different, more forgiving, more friendly light. At the same time, it's tough. I mean, he was a really, really bad dude who bashed in people's heads right in front of them. Yeah, forced women to marry him. Yeah. Burned, uh, what's his name's face with a hot iron. Yeah. Probably has done that to other people along the way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I... It's a solid opinion. It makes a, a really good argument. I, I'm still struggling a little bit. I'm still not quite on board with uh, accepting that Negan uh, can be redeemed. The central point, though, that Trucker Tom starts with is that you got to remember the world they're living in. This isn't normal, regular society. Like he says, Maggie's killed in cold blood. She's killed somebody who set an example. That was uh, Gregory. 
she's killed people just to protect the ones she's responsible for. The same that, thing that Negan the, was doing. That's the, but what about our argument? It's just like, know. Uh, you know, sure, Negan has done bad things, but what about Maggie? She's done bad things. Does that make Negan's things better? No. No, it no, doesn't. No, it just makes Maggie bad too. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's complicated issues, I'm telling you. It is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time. I mean, yes, it's a TV show. Yes, it's the zombie apocalypse and the, uh, you know, the scale uh, is different. It's a different scale than what we live on now, live yeah. in now. Uh, you know, if uh, somebody bashed somebody's head in with a, a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire in order to prove a point, uh, you know, that's a bad, that's a bad, bad thing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an unredeemable act in my mind. But in the zombie apocalypse, you know, is it, is it, is it really all that bad compared to what else is going on? But then I'm doing the what about argument again. So it's, uh, it's hard. The, the, yeah. The, the markers for the scale are skewed and I don't understand them. I, I think all I can really say here is that I undeniably find myself feeling better about Negan than I did way back. And maybe that says more about me than anything else. Uh, it says a lot about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. It says a lot about the Negan's characters, uh, the character mannerisms compared to what he was like at the beginning of uh, his stint on the show. Yeah. Like you hated the Negan character. You thought it was annoying the way he talked. Yeah. Uh, everything. His but posture, now, everything. Yes. Yeah. But now, you know, the charming, affable Jeffrey Dean Morgan is shining through the Negan character. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a glory to behold. It is, but that, that makes it sound like, you know, last time we had a feedback show last week and somebody was saying that too much Norman Reedus is showing through into Daryl and that was not good. That's not good. But here, I think it's because I disliked Negan so much. I think it's a benefit to have JDM come through a little bit because I just like the character better. I feel like it's a more acceptable, less cartoonish character. And like, if that's the reason I like him better now than I used to, and it has nothing to do with his actions, then fine. I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't know. But, um, but I think you're right. Like the characters, I guess all I can say is the character is very different now. And I prefer this version yeah. of Negan and it doesn't make me feel as terrible about him, uh, for that reason. It's complicated, man. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm not sure it's worth. It's really worth the uh, the analysis that we're doing, right? Uh, in in a way, it is because we got to figure it out. He's a complicated character. That's it's a nuanced uh, nuanced thing. But it's a television show. We're supposed to like him. Let's just go ahead and like him. Well, fine, but you got to consider all of the things, right? And it is just a television show, but they're telling a story. These are characters. We're supposed to love them and hate them and worry for them and, you know, all those things. So, yeah. I felt bad saying that. I don't really agree with myself in that case. Uh, <laughs> I don't what know. You're, what I'm, you're trying to say is just feel how you're going to feel and move on. Well, I don't even want to necessarily move on. And, and the other problem I'm struggling with here is that, uh, it doesn't matter if there are conflicting opinions. I just agree with everybody who writes or calls in. 
I just agree with them. It's just it's it's in my nature. I agree with absolutely everybody, even if they are on uh, uh, opposite sides of an issue. I mean, and I agree with you, and I agree with me, but then I don't agree with me, and I definitely don't agree with you. Right. Uh, so you know, wh- what's a poor boy to do here? No, I I don't know. It's just continue accepting the feedback and considering all possibilities and being open to things like that. I think that's the best you can do. I think I think in order for Negan to be truly redeemed, uh, the people that he has wronged has to forgive him. And I don't think that's possible for Glenn or Abraham. No, it's probably not. But, but so. what if the people that represent those characters in the world still forgive him, right? What if Maggie does be like Negan, everything's going to be fine and I forgive you. Okay. See that I agree with you there. Like, you know, uh, Maggie probably has Glenn's proxy and, uh, uh Herschel certainly, d- certainly would, I think, you know, little Herschel. And, and I, I don't know if we're going to ever see that come to a head. I don't think Rosita? we're going to see that Glenn on this show. Abraham? Yeah. You know, we never really got into Rosita's feelings on Negan. No. Does she care? She doesn't care anymore, right? She just moved on. She's like, okay, that fucking guy's dead. Let's uh let's uh let's talk to the preacher and see if we can get knocked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy actually? That's a really interesting point. We it doesn't seem like the show gives a shit at all really about the relationship between Rosita and Negan. In fact, uh Sherry over on For Fear the Walking Dead, Dwight's girlfriend. Remember she had a bigger problem with Negan than anybody now. She had a really direct interaction with him. She was one of the wives, right? One yeah. of his wives. But she wanted to go back from Fear back to the main show to confront Negan. Yeah. And uh she may still want to do that. I don't even know, but it's interesting that she has those feelings and I think those are completely valid, and I actually wouldn't mind seeing that storyline play out. But Rosita is, doesn't even seem to know Negan exists anymore, does she? It hasn't come up. Now, he didn't wrong Rosita in exactly the same way. She showed up with Abraham and you know, was with him for a while, and then Abraham was bludgeoned to death. So that's pretty bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, it hasn't really been explored. Interesting. Yeah. So Sherry and Dwight, they were married, yes? Yeah, I think you so. You said girlfriend. Oh, okay. Uh, just, I wanted to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to pick apart what you said. I just I was, was not sure. No, I, I believe they were. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. They, at the very least, they were a couple. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fine. All right, so moving on. Next, we have an email from Chris in the UK. The final mid-season finale, quite a moment. Really enjoyed this one. There has been something of a tradition of the mid-season finales disappointing, being disappointing, uh, but the episode after it being great. I don't think we're getting that here. Chris hit upon what is a well-established writing technique. Um, One surefire way to get audiences to soften on an unlikable character is to show them caring for someone the audience will like. The technique has several names. One book I read uh, recently called it the Care Package. I remember David Duchovny talking about this years ago. He said Scully and Mulder, uh, Scully was Mulder's badge of humanity. People would look at Scully and think, well, she likes him. There must be a decent guy in there somewhere. Uh, it's worth noting that Jason's analogy about the babysitting really wasn't applicable. 
Negan hasn't just uh, watched Herschel, Herschel while Maggie was busy. He actively saved Herschel's life and risked his own life to do so. Maggie didn't say she was starting to like or forgive Negan. She was starting to trust him. Negan's murder of Glenn was brutal, but it wasn't deceitful or devious. Uh, I can see trusting him without liking or forgiving him, or at least starting to. So just to complicate the issue even more, Jason, the difference yeah. between liking, forgiving, and trusting, it's just, it's real, you know? I mean, she doesn't have to like him to respect his abilities or trust him to be able to do something important, you know, or, or whatever in the zombie apocalypse. So I do think that's a, another really interesting point to throw into this whole argument. It is. And uh, after that, you know, Chris, what I really want to say to you is, uh, I trust you. Thanks. But you don't like, or forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) You see, that's a, a problem a friend of mine had for years and probably still has. Uh, when somebody gives him a compliment, he looks for the insult surrounding it. Right. Always, 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 there is an insult implied in what that person just said. He cannot accept the compliment. There has to be an insult. It's like, uh, you know, I really think you're a good guitar player. Uh, meaning, meaning what? I'm really crappy at everything else? It's like, <laughs> just accept the goddamn yeah. compliment, dude. That's not how that works. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's something I know he struggled with and I'm hoping he, he's not struggling with today. Just, uh, you know, everything, everything anybody says to him somehow has an insult attached to it. Right. And it's really kind of a, an awful way to go through life. So. Yeah. That's uh, sad. Yeah. Chris, I trust you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, that you trust me. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, let's keep going here. Uh, What's next? Paul, uh, a call from Paul, who's in England. Hey, Chris and Jason. Let's put an end to this once and for all. Better Call Saul guy does not look like Saul Goodman, nor does he look like Howard Hamlin. What he actually looks like is if those two guys stepped into the telepod from the fly together. So, for the sake of simplicity... Can we agree from now on to call him Better Call Saul Brundlefly Guy, brackets, not Jeff Goldblum? Or, you know, we could call him Lance. Nah. Why call him by his name when we, That's con- crazy. When we can call him Better Call Saul Brundlefly Guy, but not Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, in brackets. we got to say the brackets. <laughs> in brackets, not Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was funny from Paul. Thank you so much for sending that in, Paul. I think from now on, we can probably just call him Lance. Yeah, we can. Or and, Hornsby. Uh, yeah, and I, I do like the Brundlefly uh, reference. I watched uh, uh, I, I watched the fly, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. I, I think I messaged you and I said, I got nothing to do and uh, I want to watch something. What should I watch? And you said, The Fly. Yeah. So I did. That's a good it's movie. Great. I love it's that It's a very movie. good movie. Just gross as hell. I saw, I probably saw The Fly for the first time way too young. To be honest, because yeah. I remember seeing it. Like, what year did that come out? The Goldblum version, eighties, yeah, somewhere. I, I might have been ten years old, maybe not even when it came out. And uh, I don't remember being scarred by it. But watching it later as an adult, I'm like, Jesus! I watched this when I was nine or ten years old. I mean, that's that's pretty gross. What happens to him at the end? It is pretty gross, you know. And then I remember watching The Fly Two with. Um, Eric Stoltz? Eric Stoltz. Yeah. That was an awful movie that was. Not not so good. Not so not, good. No, not not <laughs> great. Uh, but anyways, cool movie. Great, 
performance by Mr. Goldblum there. And and one more thing about Paul's call there. Uh, so he says, uh, you know, Saul Brundlefly guy, uh, it brackets not Jeff Goldblum. It reminds me of that song. It's like, I love you, period. Do you love me, question mark? I want to hold you in parentheses. I, I don't know that song. It's a really good song. It's just, you know, you say the punctuation. Right. It's like, I want to hold you in parentheses. It's really nice. That That is good. I like that. It's a silly song, but uh, it's fun. Okay. Well, it sounds fun. I think in your next uh, work meeting tomorrow, I'm going to get on a call, say all the punctuation as you're talking. Period. <sighs> the calls take long enough. The ones that I have to talk on, I spend most of the time talking. Like, period. For, period. <laughs> uh, no, that is funny, but it's the... Uh, I, if I don't get through everything I need to talk about on a particular call, we have to schedule a follow-up. And so if I start saying punctuation, uh, I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to have to come back and say other things. Uh, so I don't want the meeting to take any longer than it absolutely has to. I hear you. That's a pretty good reason not to do it. Yeah. And it takes a long time to say punctuation. There's also a comedian that does uh, uh, says punctuation, but he uses sound effects. <laughs> kind of thing. Huh. Uh, which uh, my son at three years old, found absolutely hilarious. Oh, I can see why. Yeah. I can see why. <laughs> that was it. I just wanted to talk about the parentheses. All right. Very good. So we got one more call. Is it yours? It's yours. This is a call, colon, from Sarah, period. Oh, wait, it's mine. Uh, this is a call from Sarah. Hi, Chris and Jason. My name's Sarah. I'm calling from the southeast of England. First time calling in, but I have been listening to you for quite some time. A couple of things. This episode, um, I thought, kind of summed up the last eight episodes for me in that it kind of gave us little hints of what I really want to see, which is more action, more peril, more tension, more fighting, um, and more of our characters that we love um, to see acting together. But instead, every now and again, we just get interspersed with these really boring scenes, <laughs> lots of dialogue and relationship building and too much kind of storytelling around the Commonwealth, which I just don't feel invested in. I don't care about it. Um, I just can't see where this is going and how they're going to wrap it all up in another eight episodes to like a satisfactory end for me. Um, as just, I, I've only been watching this show. I haven't watched any of the spin-off uh, series. I haven't read any of the comics. And for me, there's so many unanswered questions, um, mostly relating to like our protagonist, Rick and, and Michonne, like what, where did they go? When are they coming back? Um, there's so many questions that I have, which I just, I've been hoping that the show writers have been keeping things up their sleeve, that they're going to reveal. And now that we've got to this point, I just feel like they're not going to show us and they're not going to tell us. And I'm going to be feeling left feeling really disappointed. And the last eight episodes are just going to be about fighting the Commonwealth, winning over the Commonwealth and, you know, them all going on their merry way. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic and uh, too negative, but I just really want to see um, some more of the amazing bonds that we see with our main characters what do you think um can you give me your perspective on the last eight episodes and how that might involve tying up these loose ends of rick helicopters a people b people michonne clues she saw a massive caravan of people where were they all going 
why haven't they returned to their family? What do you think? Am I just being too hopeful to think that we will be returning to those storylines? Anyway, thank you. Okay, bye. Thank you, Sarah. First of all, Jason, I know you couldn't tell, but Sarah actually sent in two calls and I spliced them together because uh, there's a three minute limit on the recording widget on our website. And it's rare that someone hits three minutes, but she did. And it reminded me that that's there. I never say that, but uh, try to keep those under three minutes if you can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I took both of her calls and put them together and ended up with about a two and a half minute call there. Uh, but thank you, Sarah, so much for that. You know, talking about, she clearly wants the action and the excitement to be ramped up a little bit and get rid of some of this uh, slower character building type stuff. I, in a way, I can see her point because we know... Th- like all the characters we've been following for a long time, we know them. We know them. Why are they sort of doing this and not ramping up the action and the excitement? I think you need both. Despite characters being around for a long time, there's always kind of more they can do and more you can learn about them. So if it was just all action and excitement all the time, people would probably be going like, you know, why don't these characters ever talk to each other anymore? Yeah. So so you got to find the balance, right? You do have to find the balance, but... Um, I do think Sarah brings up another interesting point that I hadn't really thought of. And that is, she's really, really interested in finding out where did Rick go? What's the deal with the helicopter that took him away? Where's Michonne? What's the deal with the big caravan of people she saw? Will they ever return? These are the loose threads for Sarah for this show and she wants them to be tied up and I agree with her except for the fact that we've watched fear we've watched world beyond we've read the comics most of us most of the comics anyways most of us have read most of the comics right we have all this other information right and um, but Sarah doesn't because she hasn't watched any of those things. So as much as I want those loose threads on the walking dead to be wrapped up as well, I feel like some of those things have been wrapped up in a way, you know, the A and B people and stuff like that. We have more information about those things, but I started thinking, is that fair? Because yes, the walking dead's a whole universe, but should you as a viewer have to watch all the friggin' shows and webisodes and everything they put out? to get the whole story or should the walking dead main show stand on its own? And I think the answer is it should stand on its own. I'm not sure. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, so well, think of, think of the Marvel universe, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you missed, if you only watch, uh, one of the more recent Marvel movies, is that enough? Like if you just watched, uh, you know, the Avengers age of Ultron, is that enough to get, uh, what if that was the only movie you ever saw? You yeah. Know? Well, the question you're saying, you're asking though, is like, can you watch Age of Ultron just by itself and enjoy it? Does that movie have like a beginning, a middle and an end and tell a concise story? Yes. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I think a lot of the Marvel movies do. Um, not all of them for sure. Uh, but I think many of them do. Right. Um, so some of the earlier ones, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds or going to spoil anything recent, but there's been recent movies where, uh, you know, they've weaponized nostalgia 
And if you don't know what's going on, the nostalgia factor is lost. And is that movie still enjoyable without, uh, you know, the heavy well, nostalgia? Well, I, I mean, weaponized nostalgia. I think you're actually talking about Star Wars, not Marvel. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Star Wars works on me because I buy into the nostalgia like 100% all in. But yeah. I totally get when people say this movie is nothing but nostalgia for the old films and that's why they're terrible i don't disagree with that it's just that i'm good with the nostalgia so i'm on board i don't think marvel does the same thing nostalgia wise but i do agree as they've gone on they've gotten way more reliant on uh, the other films it's the world's most expensive television show yeah. is what what the marvel movies are and there's also so much stuff to watch i'm behind on the tv shows Right. There's some, we talked about this, I think off the air last week, uh, on the, the, the Marvel related television shows that, uh, uh, that I haven't yet watched that I need to get caught, get caught up on. Yeah. I'm never going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. Right. I, it's, it's moot now, but at the time I was really, uh, you know, I love Agent Coulson. Right. I love, I love him. I love that actor ever since I first saw him in the new adventures of old Christine, uh, <laughs> which is where I first saw him. He, uh, you know, uh, I really like that actor. I'll watch anything he's in except for agents of shield. Apparently. Yeah. I don't know why, but, uh, well, if I can make an, a, a recommendation for you, don't let these Marvel shows that are on Disney plus right now go too far into the past. So you get to that point because, I know you've watched WandaVision. It's yeah. pretty great. I know you've watched Loki. It's pretty great. You haven't watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier and you haven't watched uh, Hawkeye. Right. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, eh. Hawkeye, I thought was a lot better than I expected it to be. So watch those. Or okay, at least so Hawkeye. Okay. So I'll do that. And, right. and, and I'm starting to feel you know pressure, internal pressure to do that, to get caught up. Because I don't want things to go too far. Uh, I've done this before with Daredevil. Uh, the problem with Daredevil is I liked it too much, right? I thought it was too awesome and I wanted to give it its due. Uh, I wanted to be able to pay attention to it a hundred percent. And that kind of time never really, I never found the time to do that. And now it's too fucking late. I feel like that, you know, there's no real point. Right. We're getting off on a sidetrack here. So, uh, the thing is, is the, you know, what the walking dead give us, gives us, is it enough information? I think the answer is doesn't. I think there's the other stuff we have to watch in order to make sense of a lot of what's going on in the show. And is that a bad thing? Sort of? I don't agree. I mean, I, just to, before we leave Marvel entirely, I think most of the time, not all the time, but I think most of the Marvel movies, you, the whole point is the greater story in the MCU, right? Like, they expect people to see all those films and see the uh, um, see the whole the story for what it is in all across all the movies. But I do think a lot of those movies you can watch and enjoy, and and be completely satisfied if you just see that film or maybe the groups of films. Right? If you just watch the Spider Man movies because you're a huge Spider Man fan, I think you're going to be okay. Like it's, right. it's difficult to, to say that a hundred percent because I've seen them all and I've seen them all multiple times and I friggin' think about them a lot. And, uh, <laughs> I love those movies so much and I am just glad that I'm alive during a time where the MCU is a thing. So right. well, I, I don't mean, exactly have a, uh, 
great perspective on it from that. Let me give you another right. example, like another uh, uh, another option here. If you just saw Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, yeah. if that was the only one you saw, you're fucked because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I and agree with that. And it doesn't end. No. Like it's not, it's not a standalone movie. You cannot watch that movie by itself. Yes, uh, and I have, I have a friend who way back when that movie came out said just that to me. She's like, this movie does not stand alone, and it should. Um, even movies- This is where I got the, the, the person you're talking about. I had this very same conversation with her. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, normally uh, I would fight about that kind of thing because I really like Lord of the Rings as movies and as books. But She's I- not wrong. She's not wrong, and I absolutely had to agree with her in that moment. It's like you're 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 dead on. That's absolutely correct. This is not a standalone movie, and it cannot be. But but Back to the Future One is a standalone movie, even though yes. the ending teases the second one. Back to the Future Two, eh? It's it's I don't know, man. Like you kind of have to watch the third one after that. But did they have an intention to do a Back to the Future Two when they finished Back to the Future One? I, I think that that. That teaser at the end was kind of like a, oh, cool. Right. I don't I think it meant to be uh, an intro to the next movie. I, I don't think so either. But the second and third were made together, right? So they definitely are a pair and they were created together and you pretty much have to watch them. But I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think the end of Back to the Future 1 was designed to lead into a second. I don't think that was the plan originally. And then it was a huge hit. And they're like, we got to make more. And I don't think that Darth Vader being Luke's father, sorry to spoil 1984s, <laughs> uh, but uh, that was not part of the first movie as well. Uh, in 1977, oh. that was never part of the original plan. No. It didn't come in until they wrote, oh, geez, we should do this in uh, in the second movie. It was not part of the original uh, movie idea. Okay, but getting back to The Walking Dead, if we can, because- I don't what, know if we can, but we can try. We can try. Like, I I just wonder if the average viewer of the show, the casual viewer, is is sitting there thinking, God, I can't believe we still don't know where Rick went. Or, you know, Michonne followed those people off into wherever. Like, when are we going to get back to that? And if those answers don't come on this show and they come on another show, I don't think that's fair. I think the no. answers to those questions should come on this show because people have invested 11 years in watching this and it has to have a certain amount of responsibility to tell the story it's going to tell and pay off the things it's set up. And I think those are a couple of examples of things that if they don't explain or they require someone to go out and watch something else that they might have no interest in watching, I don't think that's fair. And I think yeah. this show should pay those off. So you and Sarah are both absolutely correct, but I think you need to steal yourself for the fact that these things will not be resolved in this show. Yeah, I think that's probably true. If I had to guess, I think... I Michonne think, will find out what the hell's going on. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we might find out more information about Michonne. What they need to do, I think, is give us enough information that it feels satisfying even if there could be more to the story by going and watching another show later that's what back to the future did right even though they didn't intend on doing it they ended that film 
done incredible ending and then they put a little teaser on the end that's just there for like oh my god that's so hilarious i can't believe what do they get into next you know what i mean yeah you don't if nothing ever comes after that you don't need anything and that's somehow what the walking dead has to do here is give us something give sarah something but don't require her and make it satisfying but without requiring her to go and watch something else yeah and that's tough. That's going to be tricky. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to happen. Michonne will find out what's going on. Heath will never know what's going on. Rick is gone. Like Rick's, he, there is no Rick, right? It, it, the, Rick is not going to be resolved in, in The Walking Dead. If there are movies, we'll get the Rick resolution. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to get it in The Walking Dead. He's, I honestly don't think he's going to come back. I think that, uh, I, 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 I like the idea uh, Andrew Lincoln making an appearance in the final episodes. I'm not sure if that ever will happen, but, uh, it would be nice, but it's not going to happen. Back when we did our season 10 crossover wrap up with, uh, Jason and Lucy last, yep. uh, whenever last year, you know, she said that she would much prefer to just scrap the Rick Grimes movies altogether and bring him back for some important solid role in the big finale of the walking dead TV show. And I hundred percent agree with that. I feel like that would be much more satisfying for me, for viewers like Sarah and probably millions of other people out there who have been sitting around wondering even casually, like what happened to Rick? That's a weird thing to do. Fly him away in a helicopter and just never hear from him again. Yeah. I think that's super unlikely because well, two reasons. Number one, We've only got eight episodes to go. And if they only bring him back for like one at the very end, that's not going to be enough. They need to bring him back in a meaningful way to explain it. And that's more than one episode, I think. And number two, for crying out loud, if Andrew Lincoln was coming back to the show, you just know stupid AMC would announce it and spoil the big surprise. Oh yeah, we'd already know. We'd we'd probably already know. And they haven't done that yet. So I feel like it's not a thing. Unless you're going to tease it. It's like, oh, the, you know, the big return of a, a beloved character. Yeah. Uh, you know, stay tuned for, you know, the return of, uh, uh, it could be Andrew Lincoln, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like they would announce it and maybe that's still to come. Who knows? Like they announced the return of Madison for fear the walking dead, you know, ahead of time. And that's not a dissimilar situation, right? I mean, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit, it's dissimilar in that Madison apparently died and now she's alive. Rick, we know didn't die. He flew away in a helicopter with Jadis. He was pretty injured though. He, he was, he was blown up on a bridge. He was definitely pretty injured. Yeah. But if they're going to announce that and screw up fear, at least that surprise, I could see them doing that on this show. Unless for whatever reason, this is the one thing that AMC thinks is sacred and they don't want to spoil. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's a good question, Sarah. And I'm hoping they can make this show satisfying for you and for all of us really. But I do feel for the people that, that haven't watched everything else and just don't really want to, or don't feel the need to, I don't want them to be disappointed with the end of the walking dead. So I hope AMC and everybody figures this out. Yeah. Get your shit together. Get your feces together, people. 
All right. That's it. Holy crap. Thank you so much, everyone, for writing and calling in. It was fantastic. There's a little bit of feedback, you know, I didn't get to in the email. And, and please keep sending it in if you can. We might, you know, you never know. We might uh, bring some of it up on a future podcast because we're going to have some time, <laughs> maybe not a ton of time with all the Walking Dead universe bullshit happening. Uh, but you know, I go through it all. I continue to read it all, even when we don't have a specific feedback show coming up. And I do love hearing from everyone. So please, please continue sending it in if you have something to say. Well, no Patreon prize of Palooza anymore until The Walking Dead comes back in the fall. But we do have a few new patrons I want to thank uh, before we move off into the sunset here. And that's Melissa D., Rafe G., and Grace C. <laughs> nice. It's funny how all the letters sound the same like that, but thank you so much for you guys uh, supporting us and becoming patrons. You know, as we were recording, Jason, um, we got a contribution from Matt M too, who is the one half of Ma Matt and Frankie in Oklahoma City who do title reads for us all the nice. time. Nice, Matt, nice, nice. Matt sent a, a contribution over PayPal, so thank you very much for that as well. Matt, Greatly appreciated everyone who supports the show um, in any way you can. So our next prize for the prize of Palooza will be coming when The Walking Dead returns in the fall. We'll talk about when that is going to be exactly when we know. But unfortunately, at this point, we don't. Um, and a reminder to everyone that uh, there's talk of this season finale watching party out in San Francisco with Jason and everybody from Podcastica. So um, there is that survey. We are hoping you will figure out just to give kind of a quick idea of who is interested in coming or anything like that. It is podcastica.com slash TWD finale party. Hit that link, fill out the survey if you can. It's very, very short. It's just to get an indication of if you might be interested in coming. And uh, so we can continue planning that. But uh, it would be fun. So I recommend it if in any way you can do it. All righty. That's it, everyone. Um, thank you so much once again for listening during this middle block of season 11. I recommend you stick with us, though, over the hi hiatus. There's going to be lots going on. Uh, including Fear the Walking Dead, which starts uh, this coming Sunday or restarts this coming Sunday. We're going to be talking about that. Jason, I've already watched Dead in the Water, the uh, the thing we, the sort of prequel episode kind of that Fear put out just last this week. Just yep. last this week. Last week. Sure. Um, I've already watched it and I'm going to talk to you about putting your eyeballs on that so we can chat about that uh, on a podcast maybe next week. We'll see. Okay. It, uh, I feel like you've already talked to me or you just talked to me about this. So sure. All right. Great. I we don't need, we don't need a follow-up call for this one. I, I'm on board. Okay. Excellent. Um, the, the exact timing of that, I'm not sure a hundred percent yet, but it won't be too long. And then once fear is done, we can expect tales of the walking dead this summer, which I must admit, I'm pretty excited about. And, uh, I like I like all the cast that's come out. And they put out a little teaser for it, and there's some interesting stuff. So I'm looking forward to that more than anything right now. And I and I think we'll be podcasting about that. So lots of Walking Dead stuff over the next hiatus. And that'll just cruise us right into uh, 
you know, the return of the main show in the fall. So, yep, look forward to that. Stick around. Please keep listening and sending your feedback and your thoughts whenever you have it. All righty, that's going to wrap us up for this evening. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. As always, if you would like to send us a voicemail, visit the website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top. You can record that right into your browser and it will send straight to me. It's a great way to do it. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. See you soon, everyone. Thank you so much. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.